and welcome. Hope everyone's doing well. So one of the many aspects of the upheaval, the upheaval that we're going through at this time is people's plans up in the air. And one of the more painful areas of inconvenience is in people's family simchas, celebrations, weddings, bar mitzvahs, brises, where you may have expected to have a nice crowd get together for a, a wedding. You may have been planning to do a wedding in a particular venue, a particular place in the world, and those plans have had to be thrown out, completely changed, and altered due to the closure of borders, the restrictions of gathering. And so what in other times would have been a big family event with community and friends has now been stripped down to a minimal event where people can't always be there. And sometimes this even means close family members are missing a major life event, like a wedding of a child or a grandchild. This is difficult to process. It's difficult to deal with because it's a once in a lifetime. And yeah, you can live stream, but we know that's not the same. And so what comfort can there be for somebody who their loved ones are not going to be with them at their wedding? So we know that every wedding this can happen at any time during any time in history, there have been people who can't come to your wedding. That sometimes due to distance, people weren't able to travel. Sometimes due to health issues, they couldn't travel. Uh, sometimes somebody has passed away, so then it can't be physically there. And so every wedding has people who are not there. And there's always a mention of the people who couldn't make it, who can't be here in person. And, and there's always an element of pain in thinking about those people who are not there. What's different about this time is they could be there. They could have come. They were ready to come. They would love to be there. They're, thank God, healthy and able physically to travel. But there is a legal restriction that is stopping them from coming. And that makes it much harder. When your grandparents can't, can't fly to your wedding because they're not well enough. So it's painful, but we understand. If a parent is not present at a wedding because they passed away many years ago, so the, 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 the neshama, the soul is there, it's painful. But what can we do? They, 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 they're in a higher world. But if a parent can't come to your wedding, not because they're not well enough, not because they can't fly, not because they, they can't travel, because there's a law against them traveling. There's a, there's a border that's closed that, that doesn't allow them to come. That somehow is more painful. And harder to come to terms with. And also a little bit less uh, common in history. Of course, there are times when borders have been closed, but we're certainly not used to that. So... How can we offer some comfort to both parents and children 
who will not be sharing these very powerful, beautiful, and joyous moments and major life events. What, what possible comfort can we offer? So I want to take a page of history and apply it to today. Because there was a case like this where parents were not able to be at their child's wedding, not because of their inability to travel, but because of the borders being closed. And that is none other than the, than the Rebbe. The Lubavitcher Rebbe's wedding in 1929 was celebrated without his parents there. Uh, the Rebbe grew up in Ukraine. His father was a rabbi in Yekaterinoslav, a city in Ukraine. Rabbi Levi Yitzchak Schneerson, his mother, Rabbi Zinchana Schneerson. And they were communal leaders who were very respected and beloved. And when their son, Menachem Mendel, who became the Rebbe, when he got married, he married the daughter of the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe, a distant cousin. Her name was Chaim Mushka Schneerson. So when they married, the, um, the Rebbe's parents were not able to be there. They couldn't come to the wedding. Now let me just explain, for those who are less familiar with the Hasidic way of getting married, you can't just change the date of the wedding. You can't just say, well, if you can't come, we'll, we'll do it in six months or a year. We'll wait. You can't do that. Because that means the couple are on hold. Their relationship cannot continue. Because in religious circles, the couple don't live together before they're married. They only start their life together after the wedding. And so to be in an engaged state where you cannot live together and you're, you're waiting to actually commence the married life, you can't just say, well, we'll wait six months or a year until things blow over and things will change. They have to get married when they're getting married. And so this will have to go, go and take place and go ahead regardless of what the political situation is or what the story is with the borders. In the Rebbe's case, he got married in 1929. His father was living in Soviet Russia and the Soviets were very tight on their borders and letting people out. And so Rabbi Levi Yitzchak and Rebbe Sinchana, the Rebbe's parents, were not given permission to travel to Poland, Warsaw, Poland, where the, the Rebbe's wedding was taking place. They couldn't be there. Now, we know how they felt about this, not just because we could guess, but because we have correspondence that the Rebbe's father wrote to the Rebbe in the lead up to his wedding, which was later published and made public. Interestingly, most of the correspondence that the Rebbe's father wrote to him was Torah ideas. Very deep Kabbalistic ideas. He was an amazing Kabbalist. But in between that, there, were, there are some inserts of personal expression of feeling that are quite rare and quite a treasure for us to read today. To hear the feelings of a great rabbi and Kabbalist. 
writing to his son in the lead up to his wedding, knowing that he will not be by his side. I want to share with you some of that and translate for you the original letters of Rabbi Levi Yitzchak of Schneerson, the, the Rebbe's father, written to him in the, in the days before his wedding. This particular letter was written on the 6th of Kislev, the month of Kislev in the Hebrew calendar, in the year 1929. The wedding was on the 14th of Kislev, so this is just, just, uh, just over a week before the wedding. It's a long letter, and I'm not going to translate the entire thing, but what Rabbi Levitzchak's style is, he starts the letter by giving a blessing for your wedding, and he mentions the date of the wedding, the 14th of Kislev, and then he stops and brings the Kabbalistic significance of every detail of the wedding. First of all, that it's happening on a Tuesday, the third day of the week, and how the number three is particularly relevant to marriage. Basically saying that marriage is the coming together of a man and a woman with a third element higher than the both of them that unites them together and brings them together as one. And so therefore the number three is very powerful specifically for marriage. He goes on to explain the mystical significance of the number 14, which is because the date of the wedding was the 14th of Kislev, the mystical significance of the name Kislev, the, 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 day, the month that they're getting married. And in the midst of all that, after a couple of pages of very deep Kabbalistic explanations for the significance of the, the, way, the date of the wedding, he mentions something and he brings in a bit of a personal element. And that's what I want to share with you. That the week you're getting married is during the parasha of Vayetze. Vayetze is, is one of the sections in the book of Genesis. And it's that section that will be read on the Shabbos before your wedding. We know that the reading of the Torah is a blessing for the week to come. So whatever the parasha is, we study the parasha during the week before the Shabbos, but the Torah reading gives a blessing for the week to come. And so therefore a groom gets called up on the Shabbos before his wedding because that Shabbos, the Torah reading, blesses that week. And therefore there's relevance. The Torah reading will have relevance to your wedding. So Rabbi Levi Yitzchak says, let's look at what is Vayetze, what's the content of the parasha Vayetze, and how is that relevant to you, my son? getting married during that week. So he says, in that parasha, that very parasha of Vayetze, it talks about the marriage of Jacob, of our forefather Yaakov. That we know that Yaakov Avinu, Jacob, married four women in that parasha. In that way, it's different to our weddings today. But he, he married the, the mothers of the Jewish people, Rachel and Leah, as well as Bilhah and Zilpah. These are the mothers of the 12 tribes. So, in the very parasha of the Rebbe's wedding, the very week of his wedding and his call-up, is that there's a description of marriage, of wedding, of Yaakov's wedding, our forefather's wedding. And Yaakov is the third of the forefathers. So just like we said earlier that number three, he was getting married on the third day of the week, which is Tuesday. Sunday is the first day of the week. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. And the number three denotes union, of two powers, two opposites, male and female, by a third element higher than you, the divine power. So to Yaakov, he's the third of the forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so therefore, he also is the number three. He also is connected to 14. 
Why is Yaakov connected to 14? Remember, the Rebbe's wedding is happening on the 14th of Kislev. And so Yaakov is also connected to 14 because he worked 14 years for his father-in-law, Lavan, in order to earn the hand of his wife, Rachel. That he loved Rachel, he worked for, worked for seven years, that was the deal. Lavan said, work for me for seven years, and then I'll give you Rachel. He worked for seven years, the switcheroo happened, and instead of marrying Rachel, he married Leah, her twin sister. Then to earn Rachel's hand, he worked for another seven years. So, altogether 14 years. So Yaakov is also connected to 14. He worked for 14 years to marry his wife. And you're getting married on the 14th of Kislev. So this is like just some sort of numerical connections. Yaakov being the third, and you're getting married on the third day of the, of the, uh, of the week. Kislev is also the third month of the year. Tishrei Cheshven Kislev, it's the third, third month. So you're getting married in the third month, on the third day, on the 14th of the month, which corresponds to Yaakov's 14 years working for his wife. So we see some numerical connection between the parasha and you getting married. But here it becomes, gets a bit more personal. And Rabbi Yitzchak says, we find that for, with Yaakov, when he got married, his father and mother were not together with him in the same physical space for his wedding. Again, they were not with him in the same physical space for his wedding. His parents were not there. Yitzchak and Rivka, Yaakov's parents, were not there. They weren't with him. They were back in Beersheba. They were not with him at his wedding. But, and not only that, but he went to the place of his soulmate. He went out, left his home to find his soulmate. Which here, Rablevik is obviously showing the parallel to the Rebbe. That you're getting married without your father and mother in the physical space with you. And you had to go, leave home to find your soulmate. And nevertheless, the marriage went very, very well. The parents weren't there in the physical space, but the marriage went very, very well. It was greatly blessed. And it was, it was fulfilled the, the, in him the words of the verse that says that Yaakov spread out and was extremely successful. He made an entire great, beautiful family and became uh, very successful in his own life, even though he got married without his parents. The, why wouldn't he be successful? Why wouldn't the marriage go well without his parents there? In case you think, the, the Rebbe here is saying, in case you think that there's any negative sign of the fact that the parents aren't there at the wedding, that there's some tinge of a, a bad sign for the future, that you're not starting on the right foot in your marriage because your parents are not able to be by your side. No. We see that Yaakov, our forefather, who his wedding is described in your call-up. He got married without his parents there, and his marriage was very successful, and his family was very blessed, and he went very well. And all of the great promises of, great, of good things, to no limit, came to him. And here Reb Levick quotes a Midrash that says, that, that the one who comes, he'll come back with joy carrying his bundles. 
which the Medrash says, carrying the bundles of children. This is a fascinating Medrash. I want to actually read you the Medrash that Rebbe here applies to his son who's getting married without his parents there like Yaakov did. So uh, the Medrash says, um, it quotes the very famous Tehillim that we say before benching on Shabbos, which means that those who tearfully sow will reap in glad song. Those who sow, who, who sow seeds tearfully will reap in glad song. Meaning sometimes an experience originally is tearful. There's pain involved in it. But you sow, you plant something. It's hard, but you plant. And you'll reap glad song from that. Good, good will come from that. So says the Medrash, those who tearfully sow is referring to our forefather Yaakov. He tearfully sowed the blessings that he received from, from, from his father Isaac. Meaning when he got blessed from his father, he was scared, he was worried that he'd get caught because he dressed up as his brother Esau. He was worried that it wouldn't go well. But he, he reaped glad song in the end. As it says that he was blessed with the, with the fat of the land and it and, and, and all went good for him. And so... It describes here that Yaakov was a person who cried originally. He thought, this is not good, but it came out good. And to this, this Rebbeivik applies to his son, who's getting married without his parents there, and saying whatever pain that may be, we shouldn't think that that will be anything less than the greatest blessing. Only good will come from this union, from, from this joyous union of you and your wife. So, so do, not, do not be sad. So now, Rablevik turns to his son in this beautiful letter, and he says in very emotive and powerful words, Therefore, my son, who is deeply beloved to me in heart and soul, I hereby give you my blessing. At least the blessing of a Jew. I'm a Jew, and a Jew can give a blessing. As Abraham was told, that whoever you bless will be blessed. So I'm a, I'm a Jew, I can give a blessing. He humbly says. So let me give a blessing that comes from the most sincere place in my heart. Do not be worried that we, your father and mother, are not with you in the physical place of your wedding. Because we are absolutely with you, together with you, in our heart and in our soul. Because there is no physical dif- distance that can interrupt that at all. No physical distance can interrupt our, our soulful and emotional connection with you and our presence with you. No matter how far away we are, we are absolutely with you. We may not be in the same physical space, but our heart and soul is completely with you. We are absolutely, absolutely with you and together with you, mamash. Mamash means literally, which is a very interesting word to use. Mamash, apart from the fact that it's the Rebbe's initials, Menachem Endel Schneerson, but the word mamash means literally, really. We are really with you. So that's quite a a powerful sentence. Here, Here he's saying, we may not be with you in your physical space, but in our heart and soul, we are absolutely with you because nothing can block our heart and soul from being with you. Nothing can stop. No distance can interrupt. And so we are, the Hebrew words are, hinenu, hinenu, imcha yachad mamash, that we are hereby, hereby, 
with you together. Mamish, literally, absolutely. One second. If you're not in the room together, if you're not in the same country, what does it mean you're literally together? Figuratively together, symbolically together. I'm with you in spirit. I'm with you in, 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 in my heart. I wish I could be there. I'm thinking. But to say I'm literally mamish with you? What's mamish? How can you say literally? Mamish means concretely. I'm concretely with you. So here I believe Rublevik is borrowing from a concept that the Baal Shem Tov taught. And that is, Which means, the place where a person's thoughts are, that's where you are completely. You are where your thoughts are, where your mind is, where your consciousness is, where your focus is. That's actually where you are. Actually where you are. Meaning, that you can be sitting in one room, but if your thoughts are elsewhere, you're elsewhere. You're somewhere else. That's where you really are. Yes, your physical presence may be taking up space in one room. That's where you're sitting. But if your mental space has moved somewhere else, that's where you are and you're not here. This can be for good or for not so good. Sometimes we are physically in a space but thinking about something else. And we shouldn't be doing that. Sometimes you're supposed to be present in the moment where you are, in the surroundings that you are. And so to be thinking of something else is inappropriate. When you're having a conversation with somebody, you should be listening to them. You should have your mind on what, on what they're saying. Be attentive and focused. Make eye contact. Stop looking at your phone. Stop, 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 stop wandering off to other things. When you're interacting with somebody, be present. If you don't do that, you could be going, aha, uh aha, -huh, uh -huh, but your mind is elsewhere. You are elsewhere. You're not with that person. You didn't spend time with that person. You're, you're not connected with that person. Whereas on the other hand, sometimes you can be in a space where you don't want to be and you shouldn't be and your mind can take you out of it and beyond it. You wish you were somewhere else, you can be there. You can take a holiday, you can take a break from where you are. If, if the surroundings where you are is not conducive to positivity, you can switch off from that. And you could say, I wish I was somewhere else and be somewhere else. Take your mind to somewhere else. And, and you really are there. Because what is your mind? Your mind is a, a receptacle that receives external stimuli. What you see, what you hear, what you taste, what you smell. It sends messages to your brain to create a picture of you being here. When your eyes are open, you're taking the, the vision and it's, it's being translated through your eyes into a picture in your brain that I'm sitting in this room. So I can do the exact same thing, but not using external stimuli taking information into my brain but internal picture and imagination to give a picture to my brain that I'm somewhere else so if I don't like where I am I can close my eyes or even leave them open but just phase out of my current surroundings and go somewhere else I have the power to do that because my knowledge of where I am is all based on the information that my brain is receiving I can stop that information and replace it with other information Okay, you're right, my physical body is sitting in this room. And so if I sit here and imagine being at the beach, 
I could imagine it, but I'm not going to feel the sand. I'm not going not going to get a suntan. That's true. But you can experience being there. You can actually have the feeling of being there and you can connect to that place. That's true of anything, even as something as as uh, as flippant as going to the beach instead of sitting in your room to get a bit of fresh air even in your mind when you can't do anything else. But here Reblevik is is going deeper. When the Balshamtov says that where your thoughts are that's where you are. It means that you can connect to a person who is not together with you on the level of thought. You can connect with them through thought. If you think of that person and you think of being with that person and you send that person your feelings of love and support and connectedness, that actually happens. It actually works. It actually does something. Where your thoughts are, that's where you are. You can connect to somebody through thought. And therefore, Rablevik says, when you're getting married, I am with you. I'm there with you. Mamash. I'm literally there with you because my thoughts are there with you. Imagine Rablevik and his wife, Hannah, their child is getting married and they're not there. What do you think they're thinking about? They're completely preoccupied with what's going on in Warsaw, miles and miles away. Their thoughts are completely there. Their heart and their feeling is completely there. Therefore, they're there. They are there. In fact, what ended up happening is they threw a party in Yekaterinoslav in, in their apartment and they invited the whole community. It was quite a risky time to do such a thing. For people to show up at the rabbi's house, they could have been arrested just for doing that. But people came anyway and people brought cakes and they, they danced and they had a beautiful time of, of joy and, and danced at the time of the wedding. Because they were there. That's where they were. And so Rablevik says to his son, don't think I'm not with you. I, I am absolutely with you. Not just in spirit. I'm literally with you because that's where my entire thought, my heart is. Where my thoughts are, that's where I am. So, so he continues. Therefore, we give you our blessing to you and to your soulmate that Hashem has blessed you with. That your wedding should be lamazeltov, meaning it should be a blessing, only good should come down for you. And he goes into Kabbalistic meaning of different mazel, what mazel means, the word mazel means to draw down blessing from above. And you should only complete good in a revealed way. Meaning there's good that's sometimes hidden, it should be revealed good, good that is expressed. Double goodness. In physical and in spiritual. Double goodness in the eyes of God and in the eyes of man. That goodness, that you are good to God, that God is happy with you and other people should be happy with you. Good in your soul, good in your flesh. Only goodness. And, and he doubles the goodness in all ways. And he says that the chuppah that will envelop you should also be translated into the kindness of God that should envelop you for the rest of your lives and always. You stand under the chuppah. The chuppah represents this divine canopy, that third element that unites the two, bridegroom and then the chuppah, the third element of God above. He says that chuppah should stay with you always. You should always be enveloped by the chuppah of God's love that should stay with you forever.
the building that you build together in your relationship should be an, an eternal one, literally, and as it's explained, that it should be in future generations, it should continue in future generations. We know that the Rebbe and the Rebbetzin did not have future generations literally. They did not have children, biological children. But this blessing certainly came true. The future generations that the Rebbe and the Rebbetzin created in the form of the students and the people who are inspired, like you and me, that has been the biggest family that the Jewish people have ever seen. So you should always be together and blessed amongst the Jewish community. You should be a, a beloved diadem of glory of our people, a diadem like a crown of glory for our people. So here he's blessing them. that You're, you're one of the Jewish people, but not just any. You're the, the Rebbe and the Rebbets, and you should be a, a crown of glory for the Jewish people. So you should live together for many long days and years, pleasant and beautiful days, a life of tranquility, of peace, and of nachas, of, of pleasure and, and uh, uh, rest. And you should be satisfied and enjoy each other and, and give pleasure to each other always and forever. Hashem should command His blessings from above to you for all good, physical and spiritual, to the point where you say, I can't take any more blessings. It's, it's, it's enough because you're so overwhelmed with blessings. And it should be fulfilled with you what it says in the verse, that that the mighty God should bless you, that He should make you fruitful and multiply, and you should be an entire community of, of, of nations. And Hashem should give you the blessing of Abraham to you and to your children with you. That there should come from you generations of upright people, children, grandchildren, who learn Torah and do mitzvahs in action. And they, they, they do it and, and live it. That blessing came true with you and me. You should be happy and you should be successful in everything. You should build a house in the Jewish people a house of faith in the merit of your grandfather and gr- and grandmother way back in 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 your in your lineage the Tzemach Tzedek and his wife because your names are the same as theirs the rebbe's name is Ramanacha Mendel named after the Tzemach Tzedek his great 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 grandfather he was marrying Chaimushka who had the same name as the Tzemach Tzedek's wife so just like Menachem Mendel and Chaim Mushka was the Tzemach Tzedek and his wife, so too you, as a great-great-grandchild, you are marrying a woman with the, with the same name. So th- that should stand in your stead. And so therefore, they should also celebrate on the day, and, and you should celebrate on the day of your wedding for, with, with Mazel Tov, it should be on a good day and forever. And your parents, your father and mother, who are connected to you with the depths of their souls should see all this. They should see all this. They should see your your forefathers, the souls in heaven, as well as me and and your mother, your parents, should celebrate with you and see all this. And they will will be having the joy with you here at home. We will be joining and celebrating with you on the great celebration and the, and, the, and the great Simcha. 
and we should get from you a lot of nachas and true pleasure. Everything said above and more in the merit of our holy forebears, the holy, holy rabbis. And so he concludes the letter by saying, your father, whose soul is bound up with your soul, who is waiting for Hashem's redemption to be able to see from you and from your brothers only good always. Signed, Levi Yitzchak ben Zelda Rachel Schneerson. So in this, in this very moving and beautiful, heartfelt letter, Reb Levik makes it clear, I'm with you at your wedding. I'm absolutely with you. I'm getting nachas from you. And physical space cannot divide between. So I think that we could read this letter and make it a part of the celebrations that we have these days. I don't know if it has to be read at the chuppah, but perhaps before the chuppah, sometime before, if parents read this to their children, or children read through it and learn it, and, and experience this blessing, this blessing from afar, because we have been summoned and beckoned at this strange time in history to transcend the physical limitations of one place and to, to connect on a deeper level. And so my blessing to all those who go through this experience of having to have a simcha without loved ones there, that it's hard and it's disappointing and it's difficult. But there's a certain point in our soul that we can get rise above that pain and see that there's a connection, a soulful connection that is far greater than any physical distance can can push it aside. And just like we know what it says in the Zohar, that the souls from heaven come down to be present at a wedding. Because a wedding is a, is a supernal time. It's a, it's a spiritual moment. So to the souls in different places who are still alive but can't be there, those souls can be there as well. May we all be together. May we all be reunited. May we all have simchas together. May we be able to be physically together. But as long as not, may we learn to be soulfully connected and, and celebrate together in, in joy and in nachas and in happiness. Amen. Have a good night. Thanks for listening.